Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Pete Fairburn joins us from the other side of the ditch. In fact, he joins us from back in time, so far back in time. They're in the dark ages. They don't even have daylight savings. He's in Queensland. How are you, mate? Well, Ricardo, we don't want to upset the cattle or fade the curtains, you see. No, mate, it's, uh, it's hard for us this time of year trying to remember what time it is for, for my wife's family over your way and for, you know, business, uh, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with people in other states, it's pretty easy to get confused. And as a, a transplanted Victorian, uh, you know, being around the environment I'm in, we don't need to give Queenslanders an excuse to be confused. So I'm very much an advocate for... Uh, bringing daylight savings up here to the Sunshine State, you never know. Yeah, you never know. As a transplanted Victorian, what is that about your pronouns? Uh, yeah, I'll probably won't even go there. <laughs> probably safest, mate. Probably safest. Uh, now, we've got plenty to talk about. We've got a Rugby League World Cup on the horizon. Uh, what's the buzz like in Oz for this? Is there one? There is, um, but it's a funny vibe because all of a sudden um, you've got so many uh, beloved NRL players and, and you know, genuine superstars of the competition spread amongst so many different countries at, at this Rugby League World Cup. You know, since we've seen the, the success of the Tongan Rugby League team in the last few years, we've now got some, some really big players declaring for Samoa. They've certainly picked a, a fantastic squad. We've got Victor Radley, who... Um, it was likely to be in contention for a kangaroo spot. He's declared for England. Um, so all of a sudden, uh, there is buzz, but it's, it's very different from what we've seen previously where it was kind of considered, you know, a, a race in three for a long, long time there with Australia, New Zealand and the Poms. And, and even then, um, you know, Billy Slater, hospital passes aside, most of the time we'd expect the Aussies to get the chockies. So it's a bit of a different vibe. I think there's a, a sense of... Um, not, not not nervousness. I don't know if it's that strong, but there's certainly no taking for granted that the kangaroos are going to be the ones who hoist the trophy up. The other thing that, that's great to celebrate this time around is, is the evolution of the women's game. And there's been some great um, attention on, on the, the NRLW players who've been selected for the World Cup as well. And, um, you know, a fair few of the, the former um, Olympic gold medal winning rugby sevens players and um, yeah, just some great names in there too. So I think that's capturing people's attention. The thing I need to know, mate, obviously you've got your, your ear to the ground over there. 7.30 Monday morning, I think your time. Uh, the, the Kiwis, Madge McGuire's Kiwis, take on Michael Checker's Lebanon. What a bizarre world we're living in where um, public enemy number one over the ditch there. I, I think the New Zealand Herald will have the, the red nose cartoon out again for that one as, as the Kiwis take on the Cedars. Is that a big talking point? Not really. Um, I think everybody's gone. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna walk our group, um, which we probably will. We probably should. But Kiwis have a uh, a habit of starting tournaments slowly, so uh, they need to they need to win their group um, and win it well. But I, I think should it have too much. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that Checker is coaching Lebanon. I think David Kidwell is assisting him both with Argentina and the and Lebanon. So he's got a, a league in there with him. But it's it's just an interesting dynamic. And you know, I guess it's it'll be interesting to really sit down and be a fly on the wall and see how it works and what Checker actually does as a coach in that environment. 
Absolutely. I'll tell you what, though, he's got his priorities right. When it, when you know, when you think about um, you know, the, the different countries and, and cultures you get to spend time with, and, and the beautiful food, you know, the steaks he gets, um, you know, as, as coach of Argentina, beautiful Lebanese food, I'm sure, in camp with the Cedars, and, and then heads back over to Japan to NEC, where he, he can just rip into that beautiful Japanese food as well. He's um, for a guy who, who seems to be getting slimmer by the year, I don't know how he does it. Oh, mate, he must have he must have a reasonably reasonable property uh, property portfolio in Bankstown, I would imagine, too, wouldn't he? Well, mate, he's a guy who made a fair quid away from sport uh, before he, he went on to be an elite coach. And all jokes aside, I do think it's great to see Michael Checker in there coaching at the Rugby League World Cup. Um, you know, and I can't help but dream. Eddie Jones has always said his dream job after he leaves the, the English rugby team would be to coach the South Sydney Rabbitohs, a team he grew up, um, you know, in in uh, inner in city Sydney there, grew up supporting the Rabbitohs. I don't know if that'll ever eventuate, but... Yeah, the Rugby League World Cup could be uh, yeah, the type of stage where someone like an Eddie Jones could make their bow in the future. Wouldn't that be a sight to behold? Yeah, well, it's something that we haven't seen much of. But, I mean, you know, I remember Alan Jones, who was a Wallabies coach, coaching the Tigers and things like that. So it's not a first. It just It's a long time between drinks. It is. It's unique. But, um, no, look, and, and, and to go all the way back to your original question, there is buzz. There is excitement. Um, there's some great talking points in this Kangaroos squad. Um, it seems likely that Mal Meninga will rest the majority of the Penrith and Parramatta players from that first fixture against Fiji this weekend. It's a pretty short lead-in and not a lot of time on the ground in Manchester for the, for the Kangaroos. So that'll likely give Daly Cherry Evans the opportunity to start in the seven jersey if Ivan Cleary's rested. Um, that's going to be a fascinating battle. Daly Cherry Evans um, you know, has so much pedigree at, a, at an international rugby league level and has been a one of the first players selected for the Kangaroos for a long, long time. COVID has meant we haven't seen a lot of test, um, test rugby league in, in the last couple of years. Nathan Cleary is clearly the, the standout player in the NRL competition. So at what point is Mal Meninga going to make the call on, on who you know, holds that seven jersey for the most critical parts of the campaign? That's, that's one battle I'm, I'm really, really excited to see. But as I mentioned, I mean, the Samoa squad's got plenty of, um, plenty of exciting names as well. You've got young Joseph Suwali, who's, you know, the, um, the, the been the subject of a, a tug of war between Rugby Australia and, and the NRL, um, you know, previously, and, and someone who, um, you know, is tipped to have a huge, huge um, future at at, um, at 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 rugby league, you know, in rugby league or, or in rugby union, if, if he chose to go that way, he would have likely been chosen for the Kangaroos as a 19-year-old to play on the wing. Um, but he's nominated Samoa, where he'll go in. You know, guys like Stephen Crichton, Brian Toto, Jerome Luai, Josh Papali. So Samoa themselves in a group with with England, France, and Greece. And if they could upset the English, that could turn the tournament on its head. Well, there's a mate. Honestly, there's an excellent chance that the semi final on that side of the draw is Tonga Samoa. I don't. I don't. Which I, would just be compelling to see, and and you know, great to see. Uh, and, and no disrespect to when they played, you know, some great Pacific Test matches out in Campbelltown and Western Sydney and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I think it's wonderful to see these, these, you know, let's face it, far smaller than Australia and New Zealand, Pacific Island, with an opportunity to truly shine, truly, um, you know, celebrate their heritage um, on a global stage. When I compare it to, and I'm sure it's getting a lot of chatter over there, um, you know, the rugby union, we've seen some great advancements with the eligibility criteria shifting over the last 12 months and some guys getting the opportunity to return to, to represent um, you know the, the country of, of their heritage rather than one of those big tier one countries. But then you see something like Levi Omoa being selected for the All Blacks 15 out of Moana Pacifica 
um, and you feel like it's two steps forward, you know, three steps back in, in rugby union. Rugby league seems to be kind of going in the right direction around eligibility. I think it's, um, I disagree with Mel Meninga. I don't think a player should have to declare their eligibility at the start of their career. And, and, and I actually don't mind in rugby league where test, test rugby league isn't the pinnacle of that sport. I don't mind players having the opportunity to represent more than one of their cultures at different points throughout their career as well. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's interesting because Australians always say Test or Rugby League is not the pinnacle, but it's only not the pinnacle for Australians. That's a very salient point. You're getting very deep for my uh, my late Tuesday afternoon. I might have to give my green tea another swirl and give that some more thought. Look, I take your point. I, I think... Um, you know, probably by the, the very fact that our, our national sports here are, um, in the winter are AFL and NRL. And obviously AFL doesn't have that international lens on it. And NRL, we probably see as a direct competitor to AFL. So the biggest rival um, for rugby league in Australia is the AFL competition. Whereas for you guys, the biggest rival to rugby league in New Zealand is probably rugby league in Australia. Um, that's the rivalry. That's the passion. That's the hatred. So... I don't know if I'm I'm going too off piece there, but um, yeah, it, it's definitely food for thought. Definitely, mate. Definitely. Now, uh, I I did have to ask, what was your take on the Australian squad? Because I looked at it, it was a weird squad for me. I mean, you leave out your Dally M winner, you leave out your Clive Churchill medal winner, you leave out the best hooker in the game, so you can play you can play a guy who's a manufactured hooker who likes to drop the ball. I mean, it, it seemed weird. Yeah, there are a few a few confusing things there, and I think what we saw, um, you know, both uh, the Queensland and New South Wales State of Origin coaches were asked to contribute to selection of this squad, um, and they both declined and said it puts them in an uncomfortable position. And as a sidebar, there's a lot of chat that in the Gillaroos selection with the, the the women's players that the two State of Origin coaches being involved in that did actually create a pretty um, a, a pretty challenging selection criteria and meeting there. Um, but I look at this, this rugby league squad for Australia and, and I just see Mel Meninga's squad. That's what comes through really, really clearly to me. Um, you know, going back to, to guys like Josh Adokar, Reuben, Reuben Camp, Regan, third try uh, at that one, Campbell Gillard, um, you know, Ben Hunt playing a critical role in, in, in the nine jersey um, and guys like a Bailey Cherry Evans. I, I think that this squad has got Mel Meninga's fingerprints all over it. Um, I, I'm devastated for Nico Hines that he wasn't selected. I just think he's been the story of the season. You know, even before that Delhi M win, he, he's a wonderful um, ambassador for rugby league. He's he, he's learned about his indigenous culture, which he didn't know a lot about. He, he's learned about that over recent years and really embraced that indigenous all stars environment. He's one of the the few who've left the Melbourne Storm and 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 been really careful and chosen, I think, very wisely where he went and then linking up with with Craig Fitzgibbon at, at Cronulla. Uh, and had an extraordinary impact there and, and shown his versatility across so many different positions. So, um, you know, alongside probably Matt Burton, he was the guy I was most excited to see in a Kangaroos jersey. Um, that being said, you know, there's, there's still plenty of game breakers in there. Um, you know, and, and, and there's guys like a, a Jeremiah Nanai, a Murray Tuolangi, um, you know, even somebody um, like, like Big Tino. We haven't really seen them in this environment. So... They get the opportunity to lift. Um, you know, Reuben Cotter's been a great story this year out of the Cowboys, a guy who um, certainly didn't look like he was going to play representative footy 18 months ago, and, and here he is at a Rugby League World Cup. So on paper, we're definitely missing a, a few guys who, who've elected to play um, for other countries. Payne Haas rules himself out and, and says he wants to take a break. That's a massive loss as well. But I do still think 
there's a squad there that, that can take home the trophy. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, you leave the Dally M winner and the Clive Churchill winner and the, and the best hooker in the country uh, in, the, in the competition out of the uh, squad and still complain about players uh, playing for the islands. Uh, I thought that was a bit rich for Melbourne Inga, but it's all right. We'll, we'll put that one to bed, Pete. Oh, mate, I could not agree more. I could not agree more. Uh, let's move on, mate, uh, because great to see tradition uh, is at the heart of everything that Australian cricket does. And in the tradition of Trevor Chappell and Greg Dwyer and, and David Warner, um, good to see Matthew Wade continuing that. Uh, I've seen this this clip uh, tw- retweeted a couple of times. Uh, one, to start your week, here are the guardians of cricket at it again. And another one from a Pakistani fan, uh, the CEO of Sportsman Spirit, Matthew Wade, stopping Ma- M- uh, Matthew Wood from taking a catch. Uh, the Aussies with an exclamation mark. Uh, what was the your take on that, and did it get much coverage in Australia? Well, I mean, in terms of, of things we've seen before, it's, it's Australian cricket living rent-free in, in New Zealand cricket's head, isn't it? I mean, you guys just absolutely, uh, you're holier than thou, aren't you? You certainly haven't had blokes sent home from tours from smoking pot or, uh, or any issues yourselves along the journey. Have you squeaky clean and no skeletons there? Look, uh, it's not a great look for the game. And, and Matthew Wade, we know he's um, look, I'm, I'm going to use my words. You'd probably use different. Niggly, gritty, plays the game on the edge, um, and certainly not a guy who's out there to make friends. I think it's a really bad look. I also think England's stuffed up by not appealing. It's as simple as that. They should know the rules of the game, and they should have sent him on his way. They should have made the appeal to the umpire, um, and then it takes it out of the hands of poor sportsmanship, and it becomes, you know, rather than poor sportsmanship, it becomes a very poor case of judgment and he's gotten himself out you know in a run chase at a critical time by doing the wrong thing you know not really any different to you know a poor shot selection or 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 poor judgment when it comes to a run you know that's the way i look at it maybe i am slightly biased i I agree it's not a good look but but i I don't understand why the english haven't appealed and it's as simple as that yeah no that's a fair point it's a fair point joss butler did say oh you know it is what it is and it'll come out in the wash or something along those lines he was very non-committal maybe it's because uh maybe he made the wrong uh captaincy call uh just before we let you go pete um australia a playing up in japan um how's that been going for you i I saw the first game and uh, your boys struggled the first 40 but managed to get the win yeah, likewise in the second. Not necessarily struggled in the first 40, but um, managed to come home with a wet sail and, and, and steal it with a late conversion to go two from two with, with one game to come. I think um, you know, there, there's some guys on this tour who've been in that Wallaby environment this year who need match fitness and who need to, to demonstrate that they're capable of doing more than they have done thus far. And for those guys, it's a great opportunity. You've got um, you know, a pretty unique circumstance where, where Tom Banks has come in after breaking his arm in the rugby championship and played 40 um, because he needed some match fitness and, and good to see him back and, and he's got a big role to play um, for the Wallabies. You know, despite his impending move to, to Japan, I think he's still got a big role to play over the next 12 months. Um, but I think the most exciting thing, when we look at the fact that, uh, you know, Bernard Foley and Quade Cooper and, um, you know, Kirtley Beer. We've been going back to the well a little bit with these 10s, um, you know, for, for Australia over the last 12 months. What they've done with this Australia A Tour is they've taken the two young New South Wales Waratahs 10s in, in Benny Donaldson and Tane Edmed. They've given them a game each thus far. Um, they're getting an opportunity to develop combinations with, with guys of a, you know, a, a pretty decent standard. Um, and they haven't looked like they're out of place at this level. If you go through the Japanese um, 15 that we've been playing against, 
it's basically fully capped Japanese players. I mean, I don't know what developmental purposes Michael Leach gets at age 79 rolling out for Japan, A, eh? But, um, you know, it's, it's our guys, I guess, really ranked, um, you know, for the majority between kind of position 30 and 60 in the Australian power rankings for individuals going up against the Japan team ranked kind of 10 to, to 35 in their power rankings. So... Yeah, no, fair, fair call, Pete. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting and uh, been good for building uh, the depth of the uh, Wallabies ahead of a World Cup year.